0: Randy, any place other than like a McDonald's, he will only eat French fries.
1: <laughs> well, yeah,
2: he's terrified of any yeah, food. Like, I, I'm not going to go to Mexico and sit on a beach and order fish tacos from the dude that's running through the
1: we sand. Did, we did. You know what though? It was
2: delicious. It
3: was, exactly. And just a hole out of your ass in the sand, man. Just dump it out. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so
2: we're we're sitting on the beach in Mexico, and these guys are ordering fish tacos and chicken tacos, uh, uh, whatever else. And I'm like. French fries. <laughs> I feel like that would be
1: on the Mexican beach. You get the same order as my toddler every time.
0: You missed correct.
1: Fruit yeah. Loops and French fries. And then when you're back at the resort, you always go to the
2: kids section the and kids eat up their buffet <laughs> yeah, they're not going to feed the kids bad stuff. So it's like chicken nuggets and well, chicken and nuggets rice. and French fries. Yeah,
3: <laughs> it's golden urine. Right? Sheep. <laughs> That's a big part of what you do. Yeah, milk them. Bit of a sheep puller yeah so we do meat and wool about I don't know, sort of peak stocking it's about 12 to 14 thousand sheep don't have names from all yet and the book's not big working enough on you shear yeah, their yeah we shear them middle of winter we shear right before lambing so we'll lamb early september and we shear in the depths of winter kind of makes the ewe seek shelter so because we've got a lot of bush like after fun bush so if you shear them they've still got a cover so we leave a, a snow comb it's called leave a bit of wool on them And then, yeah, then they'll go in a couple of weeks away from lambing, seek shelter, have their lambs in the shelter rather than out in the middle of a paddock, where we farm that works. Go to a more mild climate, you can lamb in full fleece. The bulk of our Merino wool, like a lot of the good stuff goes to brands like Hugo Boss and and top-end Italian suits. And my mediocre wool goes to America into corporate wear. There's a company that's been buying for 40 years there and so it goes into corporate wear, so like your woolen jumpers for big office blocks and stuff.
0: I heard that, that COVID really screwed up the wool markets. Did that? Massively. Say, I can't remember which country it was that produced the most wool of the world. I want to say it's like maybe Ireland. I don't know. Some Scottish over there somewhere. But they said that they now have like a year's worth of wool just sitting yeah. in sheds rotting. They can't get rid of it because all the clothing factories were shut down during COVID. And so like nothing was being yep. we, can't, made. we can't
2: get shirts right now.
0: Right like am yeah, yeah.
2: like, getting blank shirts,
3: right? Yep. So those yeah, the carpet wool guys are screwed big time. So well, that Scottish sheep, you know, you put it next to your skin, you're gonna die. It's like sleeping wire wool. Yeah, you got like carpet wool in market went to nothing. Like it's a it's a net loss to sell it. So these guys are stockpiling it, chucking it down in an old dry creek, just getting rid of it, like it's a cost. Our crossbred wool goes into like interior textiles, so you know, like Furnished walls and textured walls, blankets, all that sort of jazz. So, And some of it goes into some out-of-shell wear. But, yeah, that whole market just died. It it went berserk, like it was awesome, and then just died off. The only thing that's come back good at the moment is high-end, top-quality soup wool, so next to skinwear, but everything else is still, it's just, yeah, we're recreational wool growers at the moment. So, yeah, and we end up with like 20 tonnes of wool a year to sell. (laughs) sucks (laughs) but that's the game you know you can sit on it hold it that's the best thing it doesn't quite go moldy or anything but yeah you just got to stockpile it and and roll with the punches
0: right have a place to store it i'm sure you must bring a crew in for that
3: yeah yeah and there's a real shortage of that like it's a hard job these guys are fit bend over all day dragging sheep like the good guys will shear 300 sheep a day in an eight-hour day like that's epic the sweat's pissing out of them the fit, lean, hand-eye coordination, like you wouldn't believe. Like I, I'm I'm hopeless at it. And yeah, they, you know, they paid per piece as well. So yeah, these guys are catching the sheep, dragging them out, shearing them, sending them out the door in the space of a minute and a bit. And you watch it and they're just artists. And so yeah, the guys that are good at it, like the fastest guy in the shed's called a ringer, he'll be smoking and setting the pace, like yeah, and they go. And then you've got your shed hands who so pick up the fleeces, throw them on the tables, skirt them, put sheep in the pens. And then, yeah, my job's like bringing sheep up to the yards, keeping them dry, getting them away again, getting them out into shelter. And when the bad weather comes, that sucks. Like, yeah, putting sheep in sheds, letting them out for a feed, back in, tucking them away in bush and shelter and stressing your head off. Like, you wake up in the morning, you're just like, oh, it was a blizzard. Yeah, what am I going to find in the morning? You know, where are they? It's, It's not a relaxing time, but, yeah, like I'm more stressed than the animals, but...
2: You don't have sheep herders or shepherds?
3: No, Does not really. Does with the sheep? No, nah, no, man. F- that. I don't talk that much. <laughs> 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 used to. like, Yeah, like uh, two generations ago, we had shepherds because, you know, you couldn't build fences, but we've got fences now, so you don't need to be there. You can just put them in, shut the gate, and they usually stay two there. Two
0: generations ago, they were using shepherds? Really?
3: Yeah. We had a lot of country up in, like, the lakes up high where there were no fences. It's all now World Heritage. But, yeah, we used smart. to graze that and have a, have a guy that lived there all summer. He lived in huts. There's these little shepherd's huts everywhere. They just trap possums for skins. And, yeah, then they'll go there and run the sheep. I don't so, know this
2: for sure, but I think in Colorado and places, they still do use some. They still have some yeah. shepherds? I think so. Someone will let back. Yeah, them. they do. Yeah. They do. <laughs>
3: that, um, Alder Spring Ranch and stuff. So there's a few guys I follow on Instagram and a few – bigger farmers just up the road from me that are big graziers go to Colorado and do those mountain sessions so it's the same it's in the mountains they've got the valley they put in a water point and then they bring the sheep down and corral them every night but then let them graze in the high country we used to do it till 85 yeah, yeah and had a guy up there we'd muster them by plane so send a plane around UHF you know walkie-talkies to guys on horses motorbikes on foot my dad tells a good story. Like they went up there to grab the sheep and muster them. It's like twenty-two thousand of them. My cousins had farm um, there with us, and he headed, he headed out in a, on a compass heading. This is all pre-mobile phones, and he's going to go right out to this ridge line and then come around the back of them and race them all out. And he followed his compass for about four hours. And he thought, "Where the frig's this ridge line?" And next thing he knows, he walks back into his ute <laughs> They just spent the whole day. Had four hours. They going round and around. And they reckon there was about a 500 meter loop they were doing around their ute. <laughs> oh,
0: man. In
2: Colorado, where I've, I've been for a few New Year's Eve trips, but we found some art that the shepherds have left out there. Like there, there must yeah. have been one dude on the crew, I don't know what you call them, that would like to carve naked ladies into trees. <laughs> it's pretty cool. So they, they had found on their property, there was two or three of them of a naked lady.
1: Like good detail. Are you Carved sure it wasn't just the dudes that own the property that would no, carve naked no, ladies? No, no. And then they were like, Randy, Randy, come check this out.
2: Come yeah. check it out. No, that was good. Real hey? lonely up here, boy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Let's go look at this tree. It's my favorite. Yeah. You hold on to that. <laughs> I can just say it now. For a guy from Australia, he does a pretty good redneck accent. Yeah, that was good.
3: But, uh, we're in the bloody hillbilly land here, too. We're very different to the rest of Australia down here. Apparently, we've got two heads. That's the other joke for Tasmanians. We're at Father's Day is like the most confusing day of the year too. We're all related. <laughs> <laughs> so, do
2: you train all the dogs? Because yeah. some of your videos with the dogs is pretty damn incredible.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm not very good at it, but I'm getting better. Yeah, I sort of used to yell a lot at dogs, and I finally invested in like learning how to train them, and got two teams of dogs now. So, yard dogs where you're in the in the shit and the the mud and the pens, and they're amazing. And then paddock dogs that, you know, you can send right out around the mob, get them to sit, bring sheep back to a gateway. It's, it's very satisfying which, when you get it ripened. Which one's from- your
2: main dog that you always bring home? Stella? Yeah.
3: She's just here inside.
2: <laughs> this She's dog will jump them. up on the backs of the sheep when yeah. he yells, you say something and she tears off across the top of the flock. Yeah. Down in back him back him. and brings him up and then runs back.
3: There she is. What breed of Still dog birdle. is that? Kelpie cross-border collie. Kilby?
0: Kilby. Hmm, I've
3: never heard so, of So you got a blue healer or something, haven't you? Cattle dog? Yeah,
0: we have a blue healer, yep.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah a no, healer mixed with that.
1: Australian Shepherd.
3: Yeah, so I suppose Stella's... Kelpie's like an Australian sheepdog,
0: okay. cattle dog,
3: next yeah. level, and then border collie, cross. So I don't know. I put her in with the kids and more of a lap dog in some ways. Got a really nice temperament out of her. Got the pup in the cage over there, but not letting that thing out. <laughs> Jess. She would jump up on sheep, run up the front of the mob and just, yeah, amazing. We've got another little guy, Tex, who's just joined the team and he was part trained already. And Tex, I call him Mr. Bubbles, like he goes doing, 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 doing across the back of the sheep, like right to the front and then come back through them. And, you yeah, know, as a kid, that was us. We used to, us to like get up there and come back through them, boy. And, like He texts yeah. back them and the Tex is, Doo, do, 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 do. <laughs> goes nice. under them, gets trashed. Yeah, he loves it. So it's really nice. Like when you get dogs, good teams and – you meet guys that are brilliant with dogs. Like I'm very average, but people love watching on Instagram, like watching them work and do their thing. Yeah. That's un- cool.
2: We just yeah. finally trained our wiener dog to ring the doorbell to go outside. <laughs>
3: to <barking>. <laughs> <laughs> I pissed myself at your dog when it went into the corn that day. I'm Christ still, I'm still
2: irritated about that.
3: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm <have a> dash <laughs> out as well yeah, at, at home. And he's a shithead. He doesn't yeah. say anything. Like mean, someone just, drops something and then every other dog goes off and uber eats it's just shocking like if they ring the doorbell we're screwed we're not going (laughs) to open it (laughs) (laughs) i've set my instructions like special delivery instructions like yeah come to the driveway come across the house look out for the alpaca on your right if he's there just say g'day that's albert but then please don't ring the doorbell because five dogs are gonna go berserk. Like you <laughs> see these over delivery guys like oh, this is freaking alpaca, man. <laughs> 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 <Whatever> he, <wants. laughs> and then he drops the bag and bolts, but until I added a bit about the alpaca, they would freaking knock the door when the dogs just oh Jesus, they'll be shit and piss and that'll fly for the door. <laughs> when you're working dogs. the sheep,
2: there's five or six dogs always barking. That would drive you yeah. nuts.
3: Yeah, you get used to it, but I don't know. Like I used to drop my kids at childcare. And look at the people there looking after them. And they'd all watch the Instagram stuff. I'm like, I'm going to the sheep yards and I'm going to really enjoy it. Enjoy my kids. Like <laughs> right. you know, Becky, get a house full of it.
0: Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't, yeah. Yes.
3: No, I'll take the sheep yards any day. And you can swear at the dogs at least and say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty bad. Like some of the stuff my kids have said at school, I'm just like, oh, shit.
0: Yeah, the dogs <laughs> don't talk back either, you know, for the most part. No, but
3: they'll salt. I, I growled at her two days ago and she's still salty with me. Like just gives me stink eye. <laughs> when she came over there and you could just see it. she's just like, mm, screw this prick. No <laughs> longer <laughs> their personalities. It's, it's one thing I love about the sheep. Like I really enjoy sheep and farming them like it's it's nice yeah and then the, the grazing side of it's fascinating and, and building your pastures and keeping ground cover and whatnot but when it goes wrong it sucks like it's heartbreaking
2: how many velcro glove jokes do you have to deal with in a day
3: <laughs> oh, fair you, man. especially with your gumboots on like that's just safe sex <laughs> um <laughs> Come up to a cliff and they push back better. You know, it's, no, it's all there. It's all there. <laughs> I was
1: trying to figure out how to work that one in. That's one of my favorites.
3: <laughs> That's it. Well, often when they get their head stuck in a fence, you're just like, free shot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the same as a yawn, then I would assume. Yeah. You know,
3: a yawn so get a bit, uh, loosely.
2: A yawn's just a missed opportunity if you're not quick enough.
3: Mm, exactly. <laughs> Angry It's also yeah, no, I can't, I can't go down that path. <laughs> I can take it down some really bad Aussie lingo itch.
1: <laughs> are there natural predators to the sheep out there where you're
3: at? I oh, mate. Everything in Australian bush will fuck you up. <laughs> Everything's there to get you. No, it's the worst enemy to a sheep is a sheep itself. Like they are so dumb. They will die by misadventure more often than anything else. But Like, yeah, we don't have wolves. We don't have foxes where we are, luckily. Yeah, the things that will kill them are just exposure. So these weather systems, stress, that sort of stuff, heat stress. Snakes, scorpions? No, snakes leave them alone. Like, we've got three types of snakes here. All three will kill you. All the spiders that will kill you, but they leave the sheep alone. Really? Why
1: Why, why do they leave the sheep alone?
3: I don't know. It must be nice or something.
1: That's interesting. See,
3: shit
2: like that. Makes me glad to live in an area where the air hurts my yeah, face how, for three months out of the year.
1: Yeah, but we often, don't have rattlesnakes and correct. spiders that'll That's, kill you.
0: How often yeah. do you encounter a poisonous animal or insect that can kill uh, you?
1: Bloody regular daily.
3: They're always there. You just, I don't know, you get used to it. but Snakes suck. Like they're an important part of the ecosystem, but they scare the shit out of you when you find them where you don't want to find them. Like you, I have one called Flange. Which was around a pipe flange where the bloody tap was bent down by the river, turning the friggin' tap, and like a meter and a half long tiger snake that's gonna do you in if it bites you, just slithers out between your legs. You're just like, oh,
2: oh.
3: <laughs> and, do you know what a gardener snake is?
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't believe they can okay. kill you, but I'm just as scared of those. Yeah.
1: They definitely cannot him. kill you. You would yeah. freaking hate it here. But Becky will He's run up the on the deck him. and not take her eye off one oh, I won't, until I kill it. I won't do that, but I'm not going to go pick the damn thing up.
0: I staked out. Well, we had a big pregnant one. So we have a pool. You know, and By then,
1: big, she means it's like a foot and a half long and it might be an inch in diameter. <laughs> it was two feet
0: long and it was fat and pregnant and I know it. And it was taunting me around the pool for an entire week and I couldn't, I, well, I can't kill them. I'll die. But <laughs> so the one day I saw one, and so I staked out on the deck and sent the kids to go get Zach out of the grain bin while I watched it to make sure that it didn't run away. Nah, no, okay. yep. So Zach could come and kill it. Mm-hmm. I did. Yes.
2: If one crawls out yeah. under my legs, I'm going to scream like a schoolgirl.
3: Oh. <laughs> Mate, I, I reckon I do like a, oh, man, it was like a mass eye. I reckon the height I get on the jump and they freaking step past something is right there at your foot, you're like, <laughs> Big squeals, <laughs> <me feel that.
0: laughs> Have you had any close calls?
3: Yeah, a few. Like if they get pissed off and you corner them, because tiger snakes are a member of the cobra family, so they, they rear up and they flatten their head and they freaking the That is
1: a serious type of snake right there.
3: Yeah, and they spit. Yeah, so many times you'll freaking step over them. Like I remember I stepped over one them once down at the river where there's shitloads loads of them and they're fat. And I just hear this noise behind me, like a barking cough noise. I turn around and like, oh, shit. And it was up at waist height, just going back and forward and it just like went through these freaking prickle bushes and just bolted like a mofo out of dodge. It was it sucked. <laughs> oh. They're more scared of you. Like that's the thing. Like you're gonna see them, they're gonna run unless you, you start them. But with you scared. don't know that. They're
2: more scared of you than you are of them. Like I always hear that, but you don't know that,
3: right? If you don't tell yourself that, man, you're not gonna walk anywhere. <laughs> like I've got mates that will not walk through long grass. They they got it in their head the other way. You just gotta go fuck it. <laughs> you know what are the odds people do get bitten but most people get bitten trying to do something dumb with them or or attack them and we just let them be unless they are near a house or in your toilet like we've opened the toilet and there's a freaking snake in there you're like we shut the door how the hell does a
1: snake get in your toilet (laughs) is it come up
3: the pipe no no it dropped out of someone's pants we reckon no they just come for the water (laughs) no way a snake comes up through your water yep so a common thing to do, particularly in the bushland when I mean, it's freaking dry, is go put buckets of water away from your house. Like our shack's at a place called Snake Bay. And my mother-in-law was pretty neurotic about it. And she puts pots all around the place. And lo and behold, I have seen snakes drinking out of them a few times. Same as the house. Yeah, they come into the toilet because it's like attached to the back of the house. And they came in and he's in there getting a drink. and Some prick opens the door. He was pissed. They'll fight the cats. Yeah, yeah. And I had a Jack Russell, and the little shit would pick them up and bring them over to you. And you're like, "Whoa, put it <laughs> down, dog! Get out of the car! Get out! <laughs> I'm not getting in that for an hour." Well, I've well, heard of this,
0: but I didn't so actually. So, when you have that. a snake in your toilet, is that something that you handle yourself, or do you call a professional?
3: I'm a pretty you're good a snake host <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, you just shut the door. There's a few guys around that will relocate them, and you can call the handlers and stuff. So, yeah, like it's illegal also- to kill people.
0: It's also, yeah, right, I was, that's what I was getting at. It's illegal yeah. to kill snakes there. They're protected.
3: And they're an important part of the ecosystem, whether like they're eating frogs and, and insects, like they play a role. Right. You can't go wiping them out. Like Europe's done that and got rid of everything that can hurt you and made a bit of a disaster of it. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm of that ethos. You just, they've got their place. Right. You see them, they scare the shit out of you. You keep telling yourself that mantra, he's more scared of
1: you than I am.
0: <laughs>
3: <you>
1: <laughs> Let's be honest here for a second, though. If there's a snake in your bathroom that came up through your shitter, you, you just kill it, right? No. You call <laughs> a handler to dude to come get the snake out of your bathroom? Many people will come get him. Yeah, yeah.
3: And you're more likely to get hurt. Like, you got that story with the owl, man. Can you imagine reaching around the door to try and shoot the snake? Like, you've got to open it wide enough to let the snake come out and hit you in the leg to get it, haven't you? Like, yeah. No, no. Are you gonna kill? Yeah,
0: it? I'm not trying to get a. To- I'm not gonna, gonna shoot <laughs> shoot to You
3: got to open the door far enough to get the bloody thing in there. Then you got to retile the floor. You know, <laughs>
1: you That's, just pull fist. the pin and chuck a grenade in your own bathroom. Yeah, I'm
0: going with burning the house down. That sounds good to me. Still, no. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's uh, The worst thing is when they go and open the door and it's not in there. Like that sucks. Like flange the snake. Like he took a long time to relocate.
0: Oh. He just,
3: you know, you just like flange where are you and you just come out go past you like well
0: no no we,
3: we leave them alone but like when we went to texas i can still remember they we were with a bunch of vets and we went and saw cactuses and they shot a cactus with big bloody six shooters like off the westerns and these guys were awesome fun and yeah they got rattlesnake skins and they tanned them for them and posted them to us in australia as hat bands and like we had a ball over there but you know, it's the same here. Like, we're, they're just a protect species, so we can't do it. You just don't do it. You can do it in certain circumstances, but it's not the right thing to do. So, yeah, and there's plenty of snake handlers about. We get them in the cities. Like, I've seen them in the middle of town, and you're just like, "Whoa, where's he living?" So, yeah, you burn the block down, don't you? <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't want to mess. It's with true that. what they say. Like, most shit in the Australian bush is trying to do a number on you. It's hardcore aggressive or whatever. But
0: do you have kangaroos?
3: Yeah, lots of kangaroos. You used to have a pet one? Yeah, to, a little pet one. You box it? Oh, man, he boxed you. You turn your back <laughs> on him, you grab your ass and whack, whack, whack with the back. But like, it's not so much the top legs, it's the bottom legs. When they grab hold of you and then rake the crap out of you, they <laughs> can split your stomach open before you know what's happened. Yeah, but the, the bulk of what we get are like three foot high, sort of the biggest ones we get and probably weigh 12 kilograms or so. So, yeah, and then we get a lot of those. Twelve kilograms is
1: like what? Twenty pounds? 25 twenty five pounds?
3: Yeah, twenty five pounds. Oh, so They've got enough power to, you know, they'll clear a three meter fence at that size. So you can imagine that big toe just straight down your guts. It's gonna hurt you. Definitely cut your pants open.
2: There's a video on Instagram. Maybe it was TikTok. I don't remember. Of a kangaroo's got a dog in a headlock. Yeah, yeah. The owner dog. runs runs up, and the kangaroo lets go of the. <laughs> Dog and he punches it in the head, and the kangaroo just stands like,
3: "What the hell?" He got so much trouble over that too, and he like he runs a bloody wildlife park. That guy, like he's a like a animal like a zoo attendant at a wildlife park. He said, "Yeah, just punch the damn thing and backed off. Like leave me alone." (laughs) <laughs> but on the mainland Australia, they are. They're like six foot, seven foot tall. They just look like yeah. boxers too, the way they stand. They're
1: right, right. Crazy. They're a problem, right? Like cars will hit them or they'll uh, yeah. they will beat up kids yeah. waiting for the bus, the school bus, I've heard. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah. I don't know if that's the kangaroos. It might be another local. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you hit them in the cars all the time. So we've got wombats. That's like hitting a bloody carton of beer. They're like a brick. And people get confronted where we are by roadkill. It's pretty bad. But yeah, so we get a lot of wombats, kangaroos, possums, all that stuff on the roadside, which is pretty tragic. And then the Tasmanian devil, it doesn't actually spin around in a circle. they here, yeah, they'll eat the roadkill and stuff, and they got a facial tumour at the moment, so they're pretty threatened. But like the wildlife here is pretty epic. Platypus, which is like a duck crossed with a platypus? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Got something That's out in really front of the bad. house. It's got them in a river. They'll platypie, they lay eggs. Platypi. I was Hi. just going to
1: ask, what is the plural form of platypi?
3: You have penguins? Yeah, penguins. Are they down by our shack, like where our, our shack is, our weekend resort, like what you call the lake. Yeah, we've got penguins there. They'll come in and nest every night, and then they go down to the southern ocean for the good feeding. I was actually that 22
2: was years old before I knew there was warm, climated penguins.
1: There you go. We were watching something on Discovery Channel one time, and they mentioned that 70% of the world's penguins... Our warm climate. I knew animals
2: because I Googled it when I got to Maui in Hawaii. Yeah. I walk into our hotel and there's a bunch <laughs> of penguins playing in the pond. Like, what the
3: hell? I'm not <laughs> in Hawaii. There's penguins <laughs> here.
2: So then actually I think they, I think they had a plaque there next to them and it said something like that, 70% or whatever. Didn't that blow your mind? It did. I kind of wanted to sneak thing. one in my suitcase and bring it home.
1: Yeah. But it would have been too cold for it here.
2: <laughs> right. It
1: wouldn't have made it. Yeah. We all know that time is money, and one of the best ways that you can save on both right now is with FBN Direct. You can shop for everything you need this season from their online store 24-7. That means 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, anytime. And with the new delivery transparency feature, you can now view the estimated delivery windows before you buy anything right online, right there on the site. FBN makes getting what I need in season quick and easy. We've actually got all our chemicals. And all of our seed delivered right to our farm already. Head on over to FBN.com right now. And if you're not a member, that's not a problem because there's no fee to join.
3: We got the wedge-tailed eagle here as well, which is like two meter wingspan. So, you know, six, seven foot wingspan on the eagle. You guys think the bald eagle's big. Like these guys are huge. Make a bald eagle look like a budgerigar. They're massive. Like, they wreck our drones. We'll pull them out of the sky um, if they get angry. It's like arguing with a five-year-old. Yeah, we've lost a fair few to it. It happens. Like, I've been flying in a in the glider in a thermal when you, you'll literally be in the glider and just there on your head, you'll look up and there's a bloody eagle just watching you in the eye, his wings out, fingertips going berserk, and he's just sitting on top of the glider going around the thermal with you, just having a look chilling out and it's so awesome and then they'll slide out to the wingtip like it's like top gun shit with nature and they'll sit there on the wingtip top gun shit with nature yeah it's epic and then they yeah then they'll get out of the thermal and just blast off across the sky and these guys will cover hundreds of kilometers in a day hardly flapping and like i love my gliding and i love those guys and see them all around the farm and yeah like their habitat's endangered the birds aren't so much the habitat they're losing but Big birds and some of the nice things we get to see on the farm because we've got a lot of bushland. We we see a lot of them. And what kind of eagle cool. did you say this is? Wedge-tailed eagle. So they, yeah, that
0: yeah. you've
3: got there. Yeah, yeah, another nice bit of Australian yeah. wildlife. They don't hurt you, but yeah, they're, they're nice big birds and like in the air, like when you see them gliding, it's it's just awesome. And you see them on the farm in trees, and they get around. You will see the family, and then off they go, and it's all good fun.
0: So. What do you do with your drones? You said you're big into drones. What do you do with them?
1: He taunts eagles with them.
3: He eagles apparently. No. So we do like the, the photogrammetry. So we take lots of pictures, overlay them, and then you can create a three-dimensional model of the soil. Like So you can tell within an inch how high it is and left or right by a quarter of an inch accuracy. So RTK basically, resolution of every square inch of your soil. Randy gets a LIDAR because America does a nice lot of radiometric survey work, whereas Australia, they only seem to do that if there's going to be a road, a gas pipeline or a mine. So a lot of the farmland doesn't have it, whereas you guys have got shit tonnes of data. So we've got to create the data first and then we go and create drainage plans for farms. So we get a lot of waterlogging, surface waterlogging. Tile drainage isn't massive, so so surface drains are a big thing. So a lot of the stuff we can just cut water off uphill and do it, so we can create a, a surface model of the paddock, simulate rainfall, work out where the water's going to pull, find the puddle, click on it, say negative five percent slope, and then cut a line off the paddock and drain it. are you actually flying lidar then or are you actually flying a laser? No, we can fly lidar, but the data processing's just ridiculous, so photogrammetry and imagery is easier and quicker, and, and you're guaranteed to yeah. get the data set so We do a lot of that, like, yeah, do lots of that on farmland and we'll we'll position pivot irrigators, work out if they're going to miss hills, draw all their drainage design and then go cut the drain. So everyone thought it was all bullshit and piss and wind. Like the drone, everyone said drones are going to change farming. I'm like, mate, it's just like a tractor. It's what you hook up the back that makes the money. And I suppose our company got in, in front because I partnered with a good mate through flying. He was into the drones, and we ca- gathered the data. I understood farming, and then we we made drainage files, you know, machine control data, and then went and changed farms. Whereas most people just, you know, they they had a solution looking for a problem. You look at that UAV crap that went through America, in particular, through the 13 to 16, it was just bullshit. Like people wanted to make money off you, not with you, and
1: like you haven't taken up drones, have you? No, and I would agree 100% with you. There's 300. 300- drone companies that contacted farmers in those years saying, you know, making all these promises. And then you look at what they actually have and you're just scratching your head going, well, okay, yeah, that's neat. But how am I going to make money off that?
3: Right? Yeah, exactly. It's just all bullshit. And you're like farmers, like precision ag, as I say, all we do is we draw a really accurate line around a problem you already knew you had. Right. If you feed a farmer bullshit, you're screwed. Like farmers can smell bullshit a mile off and they'll tell you. And so when yeah. I started cutting drains, like we, I did a fair bit of drainage for a few mates and a fair few farms and charged pretty well for it. And we had this big rain event and the phone starts ringing and I'm like, oh shit, it's Ronnie. Like I did all that drainage and I was a bit of a, I felt like I was Jesus sending water uphill on a few spots. It's <laughs> in so this massive rain event, there's no crop insurance. And he's like, Ronnie's ringing, like, I'm like, I'm going to have to answer this. Like I said, Ronnie, how are you, mate? He's like, oh, I love you. You're draining. Oh, it all works. I was like, oh, thank God. I'm not Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> He's happy. And then we, we started getting rungs on the board. And that's kind of when I found Randy's stuff early on. And I was trying to look at other drainage systems and, and what else could be done. And I got some switched on mates also working in that space. And then we just developed from there. And then I went and put a big irrigation scheme. in, so like a 940-meter pivot, which it's like 3,000-foot long machine, irrigator. So it's 18 spans, big machine on a swamp. My dad reckoned I was mad. The total fall across is one foot. And put the drone data, did the modelling, did the planning, and then put my money where my mouth is, the tune of a couple of million, and and did it. And it's worked out all right. And so that's when I first came across Randy when I was sniffing around drainage guys. And it's interesting, like in the UAV space and the drainage space, you can see the bullshit artists a mile off, and then you you can just see people that do it. And you're like, you know your shit. I'll chat to you. So there's some big guys in Canada that I've become really good mates with that do like farmers edge work and huge data sets. So I've done, you know, done stuff with John Deere, done stuff with the big drone companies. And so now we yeah, focus on the ag work. We do mining work like mine exploration and stuff, flying at seven meters above the ground. You can detect landmines with our technology or deposits. You can fly over a fence and see how many wires are on the fence. Like it's pretty cool. Can't find you can find your phone if you lose it. You said landmines? Yeah. So like a cup of explosives doesn't have a magnetic signature. So if you put it in a, a soil, like a high iron soil, that has got a magnetic signature. We can then find an anomaly without a, without a signature. So it's like a void of no data. And then you can say, here's a landmine potentially. So you have landmines
2: the, in your area?
1: No, only when no I take I'd third, assume but, this is for military. Well, either.
2: that's <laughs> why I, I figured too. Yeah.
1: Two are yeah, in gun okay. ranges and. He oh, smells his own load before he leaves
3: the house every day for <laughs> right. snakes yeah, and you know, just check. But that dog man, you should see. It. <laughs> Rough
0: neighborhood.
3: Rough <laughs> neighborhood. Yeah. It's just trying to find jobs. Like we had a sensor that could measure magnetic imagery. A lot of people in the world claim they can do it, and by chance, just an hour down the road, a guy can do it on helicopters and planes. Like it was his whole career. And then through, he rang me up one day, and I'm like, "Yeah, sounds like a good idea." We'll, we'll fly the drones, you create the probe, the sensor. And so for years, people say, oh, yeah, we can do this with airborne and we like, show us your data set. And they can't, whereas we go, here's our data set. and So we've got a lot of work out of it. So we'll do like 20 square kilometre surveys of mine sites all over the world. So yeah, we think we're, there's only two of us globally that can do this technology. So, yeah, like landmines was another application technology because he'd spent some time in Laos and, yeah, they like that. We're using chainsaw engines at the moment to power the drones, just core flute, you know, the shit they make signs out of, like stuff you can find in any corner of the globe with our hardware on it, and then you can go fly it, crash it, ride it off, don't care. These it's are all-
1: gas-powered drones? Yeah, yeah.
3: That's what They're not electric? Out. We do have electric ones as well, but, like, to do electric, you got to charge a battery, which takes a lot longer than filling up a fuel tank. So if you're in the middle of fuck nowhere, you know, you've got to take a generator. It's got to have enough rating to put the power in the batteries. You need a shit ton of batteries that cost a fortune to take on a plane. Whereas you can go buy diesel or you can buy some petrol or whatever fuel you can get your hands on where you're going and run an alternator on the drone, so out of gas, to make the electricity to then power the motors
1: and then fly that. I didn't expect that. I just think of a drone as always being a battery powered. But then I also learned that. Bumfuck gets used everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I thought yeah, that yeah. was an American thing too.
3: <laughs> yeah. So many of our jobs are in bumfuck nowhere. So you got no resources, and you got to you know it's got to be zip ties and stuff you can steal off a building or you know whatever. Like, and everyone thinks drone flying is this glamorous sport. It is so frustrating like because electronic horse racing. You you take off with the bloody thing. You send it out on a track, on a map. You watch a computer screen. You're like, go, go, go. Come home, you bastard. Come home. And (laughs) you're running out of fuel, running out of battery, and the thing comes in and lands. You're like, oh, high five. That was an anti-climax. Let's go again until (laughs) it goes wrong. And then you just look at each other and go, shit, you know. And then you just on the computer trying to fix shit. God, God, here
2: comes the client. Shit. That's all working, man. Don't worry. (laughs) Have you ever gone to a manned aircraft for any of the sensing or
3: yeah, my, my business partner, like, we both fly and love it. I've grown up flying and love it. My business partner's just building a plane at the moment himself from scratch, and, like, we've put a hole in the floor and stuff. It's The regulations suck. We're looking at, like, doing wide area, aerial survey, but the cameras and stuff are expensive. But instead, we've gone down the path of fire spotting. So in taking the sensors off a drone, chucking them under a helicopter, night vision goggle pilots at night, and then we can laze – the fire boundaries and create fire maps for the fire attack on wildfires and not in a multi-million dollar system but in a you know million odd dollar system instead of a multi-million dollar system. So we're developing that technology really aggressively. So doing machine learning so we can count animals and do other applications with it as well. So you can see if it's a deer, a kangaroo, a sheep, a cow, and then do like wildlife surveys. So lots of applications, but that's what it is. It's just like taking data and doing shit with it um it's very easy to have a drone and say it's awesome I'm going to change your farm make you so rich and you're like how no you got to figure that out mate I think too much like my head just overclocks
1: (laughs) (laughs) so you said you grew up flying what do you fly yeah
3: I flew gliders so we had a, a gliding club on the farm so yeah like on the weekends I could just wander up to the end of the driveway and find a heap of blokes looking at the sky and just try and bum rides in aeroplanes like gliders, so no motors or in the tow plane. Grew up with that. Went solo when I was 18, when I finished school. Thought about the Air Force, and then, yeah, just got stuck into gliding. Like, absolutely love it. Australia's a bit of a mecca for it. Went down, thought I'd have a go at flying a powered plane, so I jumped in a Cessna. An hour later, they sent me off on my own. And then I got into competition aerobatics, doing the, you know, figures in the
1: sky, tumbles, loops, rolls. With gliders? That.
3: Gliders and with powered planes. Yeah.
1: So, so what are you yeah. flying for a powered plane for the aerobatics? Like a pits?
3: Yeah, pits, extras. I worked my way up to those. Started on little Cessna Aerobats. Basically anything that'll blow smoke, I had even power to weight. And I'm six foot three, like I got stuck in a Christian Eagle and couldn't get out and I had to take me to a hangar and like winch me out of the friggin' seat.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: it was shit. <laughs> I was too big. So, like, and the fuel tank's in your knees, and I've got long legs. So, so often I get jammed in this friggin' thing. Like, nine G's is a big force on your body. And then you throw to a negative maneuver where you tumble. So, one minute you're fricking down in the seat going, Rrr! next minute you're up into the friggin' roof. And like my legs would slam into these bloody tanks and pipe and shit. So certain aeroplanes I can't fit in, but God, it was fun. I love it. Like it's one of my biggest passions is doing that.
1: And you're certified to do all this, the aerobatics yeah. and stuff. So you're flying like the eagles, the pits, the extras. Yeah, I did endorsements. I yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Like that's the sport. That's what you get into. You build up to it. Never got an extra solo. Never had enough money. And kind of not many planes down here, but. Yeah, like I, comp- I competed at an amateur level between Australia and New Zealand, but they do a – you can't be a commercial pilot. They do an amateur competition, and it's a lot of fun. So I went over and competed in that, won a couple of New Zealand titles, only at a bloody basic level, like amateur noob stuff. But I had a ball. And like the guys I compete against now I crop dust the pilots in New Zealand, and you see them on the crop dusting pages like, I beat you.
1: <laughs> How long can you hold 9Gs for? Uh,
3: a few seconds. And I'm you got to have the, hand the hand
1: proper equipment and the breathing technique yeah. down, right?
3: Well, you're doing the breathing technique. i can going tell you, if you don't do it, you're in shit. Um, right. And you, you go down to a pinhole and you've got to learn your body. If you cock up, if you pass out, you're dead. Like, you're more than likely going to come to in a very upset attitude, completely disorientated, and you're going to eat shit. Right. Um, but, yeah, the, the thrill for me is the mental focus. And in competitions, you know, one-kilometer box. So you come in, you do a set number of manoeuvres, each manoeuvre's got a difficulty score. You create your own freestyle routine to show off. You then do a known sequence that everyone knows. And on the morning, you get given an unknown. And, like, it's only 14 manoeuvres or 12 manoeuvres. And the unknown, no shit, you'll get to, like, move six or seven and you're trying to read the screen with the blood. Your eyes are red from negative G and then you're inverted. i trying to read the bloody. what is that a freaking quarter turn on the... You know, you just it cooks you, but it's so much fun. And you shit the bed and do the wrong move at move nine, and you're like, oh, it's all over. But it's right. so much fun. Awesome what, people do it. Like great crowd.
1: What he's talking about is like the G's will actually narrow up your vision, like your peripheral vision. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. The whole peripheral disappears at about three or four, and you'll grunt and you'll come through, and you you're in charge of not going too hard. So you, you learn your body, and and I'm a tall, lanky guy, so the blood, bloody drains out of me like a mofo.
0: What does your wife think of you doing all this crazy shit?
3: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Didn't impress chicks. I can tell you that. You're just telling me a dolphin trainer. That's way more impressive.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Chicks dig dolphins.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Like my mates are rescue pile. I got a few mates that are rescue piles and commercial piles. Yeah. They're all dolphin trainers. This is their go-to line. Do you you also train dolphins? Yeah. Sometimes like freshwater ones. <laughs> but,
1: so, yeah. they heard the sheep for it. Yeah, they're
3: <laughs> yeah, actually turtle
1: teacher. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, don't know, be a lot, I don't know. She's not impressed by it. I can tell you that.
1: I no, got some no, glider no. questions too. I gotta yeah, know yeah. how these work. I don't know much about gliders, so there's there's no power, right? You need the tow plane, no and you're sailing.
3: Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's a bobbin.
1: How do you pick the perfect landing? Because yeah. if you screw you it up, it you up. don't just power up and try again.
3: No, no, you eat shit, go through a fence, hit a tree, whatever. No, every landing's a forced landing. So, yeah, you, the first set of skills you learn are judgment, just like how you get on a big boom, you know, on a big spray rig and you can just go round something and just miss it by that much. You, you learn that anticipation. But every 10th
2: pole you hit.
3: Yeah, <laughs> that's why they might break
2: away booms. <laughs> I've bent sprayer <laughs> booms.
3: <laughs> yeah, I've got, got no breakaway in mind. It's your ass. No, you like, yeah, you learn all these skills and. Like, I don't know how, how far do you reckon you can fly a glider in a day with no engine? Like how many
1: miles? Well, at what altitude? I'd assume that air density and the altitude is going to make a big difference. You
3: use all the sky. Like there are guys that do one and a half thousand kilometers in a day in a glider with no engine. The average, like our, it's a sport, so you try and fly distances. So you'll set a triangle. You'll get up in the morning, get your glider re- ready, look at the weather work out your operating range so where the thermals will be cycling or the ridge lift or the mountain wave and then you if you're doing a competition or a task you'll then have a set you know like a 700 kilometer triangle and you'll take off when you think the sky is going to start working, read your clouds get in it push out and your average speeds like the good guy you want to be over 100 kilometers an hour and the good guys are up around 160 like when they race, they smoking, like you're blasting through the sky at 300 something kilometers an hour, hit a thermal, pull up, climb, piss off to the next one. You do a gliding race, you've done the equivalent energy burn of a marathon. Oh, like you, your you're like space. they're
1: climbing on the thermal rise?
3: Yeah, so you'll, you'll read the country, you'll read the sky, you're looking where you're, you're trying to go somewhere, so you can't deviate too much. Can, right, and can you dumb
2: this down for non-aviation people? <laughs>
3: You're reading the sky. You're looking at clouds. You're looking at the ground. Like irrigated countries is going to be cold, damp, and it won't be a trigger for thermals. Whereas hot, cloud paddocks will trigger. Hot, so line. hot air rises. As,
1: so you, as the sun heats yeah,
2: up the earth, the hot, hot air rises. So that, that's you talk. The thermal you can. Rise. Yeah, it's just
3: thermal. So it bubbles up and comes up, and then you'll see a cloud. At the, there'll be a flat-bottomed cloud with a fluffy top. That's a, that's a thermic cloud, a thermal cloud, cumulus. And so you're looking for a young one that's like a bubble just starting and you want to be there further down the sky, like where you're headed. But the thing is where there's air coming up, there's air going down. So you've got to fly through the air at the best speed, you know, for the air going down versus the air you think you're going to find when you get there. And it sucks knobs when you get there and it it was a thermal dying because they cycle. And then you're like, shit, where's the next one? What are the paddocks like? It's like I've landed in heaps of farmer's paddocks it was in the in middle of South Australia where they pushed farming out onto the edge of the deserts. So and I was with the Japanese pilot. We we're doing a big day out and it was getting towards dark. I was running out of luck. Got down to like 600 foot, which, and I'm looking at the paddock. And I'm going to land by the farmhouse. So I land by this freaking farmhouse, just getting towards dark, tie the glider down, walk up to the farmhouse, knock on the door shit it's abandoned open the door it's like a calendar from 1987
0: and it's 2005 oh my
3: god <laughs> so just sit there and i'm like jesus is gonna cost me some beer there so yeah, and got a commuting plane going over the top there's no cell phone reception and you know radioed the air transport the airline above me and then they put a call down then the guys came picked me up a lot of beers got home like four in the morning shout the bar the next night because you can do rig them, put them in a trailer But because you're doing like a a big trip, it's usually a 300-kilometer drive for them. So you've got to have someone that loves you at home.
1: (laughs) So you just said that you put it on a trailer? Because that was my next question, how you get out of there then?
3: Yeah, if if a plane can come and grab you, that's awesome. Like, So a tow plane, like a retired crop duster or something, can come and tow you out. It's usually pretty tricky because there's no one to hold the wing up. You usually get a shit ton of dust comes back at you. So you're like in a car and then imagine an airplane with a propeller throwing all the stubble and crap back at you. Then all of a sudden you pop out of it and you're like, whoa, planes over here. You can do that. That's the cheapest, easiest way to get out and the quickest. Otherwise, yeah, there's a trailer. You pull the wings off, roll the wings in. Like they're not heavy, they're heavy, but two people can do it. Right. Um, and then you roll it all in the trailer, take it back and then re-rig it back at the gliding club after you've paid your beer tax.
2: So how often do you not land or you planned on landing?
3: Uh, every time you plan to come home, <laughs> pain in the ass not getting back. You fly the whole time, planning when it goes wrong, where you're going to go. So you, you, as well as reading the clouds and calculating the air and your speed and your navigation, you're looking at the ground, going, "If I go out there, that's Tiger Country. I've got one road to land on." Like you get patches of desert here, which are little trees, and you just kind of stick within range of that one little bit of highway going through it. And you know, if you go down, you're going to rip the wings off and probably write your aircraft off but yeah that's the thrill of it
1: like it's fun yeah <laughs> this all makes a more sense to me now like i didn't understand what the thrill was of being in an airplane yeah. without an engine but now i kind of want to do it now
3: one of my best mates is a super hornet fighter pilot and he comes back gliding for fun because you just look at a cloud and you go i wonder what that's doing you just go over to it and rip into it and see if it works When you get in the mountains, it's awesome. Like Colorado, I want to go there wave flying on the mountain waves. Here in Tassie, we get awesome mountain wave, like some of the best in the world. Steve Fawcett, who was like Richard Branson's mate that went for the altitude records in balloons, he came here and I met with him and talked him through some of the gliding history and the waves here, but he ended up going to New Zealand to set a world altitude record for powerless flight. Like he's wearing a space suit and everything. He was going He was like fart in a bath. That was his plan. Go to the top.
1: That's nuts. So what altitude did he get
3: to? Oh, bloody up towards the stratosphere. Like he was way up there and he died. They never found him in the ocean somewhere. Yeah, it cost him his life in New Zealand. But yeah, fun sport. Like it's got some consequences, but you're probably more likely to die
1: driving to the airfield. (laughs) Yeah, you're probably more likely to die trying to climb into your glider to set a world record and get bitten by a tiger snake. (laughs) yeah exactly you just got to tell yourself it's not there to hurt you (laughs) in the field there's no time for downtime and when the pressure is on you need to trust your equipment to stand up to the task that's when you turn to mystic for performance and protection you can count on mystic lubricants are specially formulated to keep up with your demands now you might be asking yourselves how can that be Mystic products are developed in real-world conditions with real-world workers in mind, and that means that your equipment is covered regardless of what's happening outside. With Mystic, you can get to work with confidence knowing your lubricants are engineered to thrive even under the most extreme and unforgiving conditions. Go ahead, put your equipment to the test anytime, anywhere, because when it comes to superior performance and unmatched protection, Mystic always delivers. And when your equipment is protected, so is your livelihood. It's the reason so many folks choose to ride with Mystic, because out here, performance under pressure isn't a request, it's a requirement. Go to mysticlubes.com to learn more about their line of products. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com.
3: This is one of those things I was exposed to and I loved it, and my brother couldn't give a shit about it, did not care. Whereas I I loved it and got into it and chased it and would go on holidays to do it. Did it, like, I went around Europe and went to some iconic places there and did it. And, like, I could just turn up with my backpack, no bugger all money, and just sleep in the clubhouses. People would take you home, feed you, clothe you, get you to your next destination. Plus I'd probably take you flying a few times. Like, I bummed my ass around that many aircraft around Australia and Europe when I visited, like, yeah, it's just like the farming community. Like you get to know people you can visit and there's open door. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. a true sport. Like you get badges as an international board. You get diamonds for certain achievements. And, yeah, and the powered flying, you know, I enjoy it. But it's just yeah, I like the aerobatics, but flying from A to B, it's good to snoop around everyone else's farms. <laughs> 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 I went with a mate who'd sold his plane and said, oh, I need to go somewhere for a meeting. Can, I, can we fly up there? So we flew up there. It was like a three-hour flight. And he got the iPad on his lap and the friggin' map and boom, boom, boom on the radio frequencies. And we get there right on the timer. I was bored shitless. Uh, like on the way back, I said, can I drive, man? And we took another hour to get home. But like, like down in the hills, oh, he's put that new irrigator up. Oh, that's where he did it. Oh, yeah. And go past someone's house. <laughs> yeah. and send him a Snapchat. You said, oh, good roof, man. I oh, love what you've done in the garden. Find him in a paddock, go around him a bit and wake him up. Oh, yeah. And he just gets it. He got out afterwards, and he goes, "Oh, that's the best flying I've had in ages." I said, "Yeah, turn the bloody iPad off and just have a look.
4: Snoop <laughs> <Yeah.
3: laughs> about, stir neighbours up, take photos of holes in crops. That always used to wind people up. Right. What happened here? <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? Yeah. Can't see that from the road, mate. But the old spray rig with a bit of glyphosate still in the booms." And they haven't purged the lines and you just see that starting section that then tapers off as the chemical yep, actually yeah. goes through and that roundup that was still in there is wiped out the start of their crop.
2: <laughs> so when you when you switch from well, for us it's corn to soybeans because the lay by chemicals, they collect in your booms and they're hard to get out of the boom. Yeah. Yeah. Then so when you switch to soybeans, you always go start in the back of the field in case you have a, a blemish. <laughs> a
3: blemish. Yeah, like, so much of my farms like on public roadway and people can look in on it. And they're looking on this big irrigator in particular, and any cock up, someone's going to bloody ring. The other day I had a, a drain one of these Wolverine ditches come when it was months later than I wanted to do it. And we're just trying to do the initial survey of the drain. And we like got 20 metres and it just went up and it dived into the mud, just hit, broke all my snatch straps. I got pissed off, walked away after day one, bogged for three days, two excavators, bulldozer. And every bastard saw it, and then I had to go to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so they're all like sharing around the photos. So I'm like, oh, last year, one of the guys put a pivot over his car. That went round the group.
1: Ran <laughs> a pivot over his car?
3: Yeah, yeah. Like he got out with his daughter and it's like one of the golden rules don't park on a wheel rut and he's like oh irrigators over there we'll go have a look at something and then you know it's like you're not wearing crocs you probably go a bit further and you crop scouting so they went for a wander and then turned around and like they were too far to make it back and she's like had the pivot's coming to the car and they're like running 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 up over
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man
2: i saw well, when passion. you had the
3: wolverine stuck you ended up calling in an excavator to bail you out yeah and that didn't work on day two. So, day three, it was bigger excavators, bigger dozer, bigger chains. No kid. Yeah, man. It's like totally visible from the road. I don't
2: think you showed no. the next day. You showed the next day, but not the next day's next day.
3: No, I was so pissed off. Like, I took one photo of it out the window before I broke like another $400 snatch strap. And I was like, oh, too much going on here. I better I just bet. take a picture. I don't that know that quiet. we've
2: done a podcast where we've said bush carpet snatch, strap as many times as this without making a joke. I think he also
1: said, did he say cock up?
3: Yeah, cock up. Yeah, cock up. I I that. Like if you have a cock up. You have a cock up. Yeah, you stuffed up. Buggery as well. We bugger a lot of things. Bagger? Bugger? Bugger.
0: Bugger. Bugger. Yeah, bugger,
2: mate. On the Wolverine Ditcher, are you running any kind of GPS on that?
3: Yeah, so I got a John Deere control system in and I, I should have just frigging lasered it and got an excavator to dig the bottom part of the drain. Yeah. So for a contractor that owns it, like I just shit the bed royally with him. <laughs> <laughs> so like It was like literally the first survey and we'd broke a Tooth had been broken off and I'd spent like a day welding that all back up for them. I mean, I go and sink it for three days. So not the most we, proper client.
2: We have a big Libre ditcher. We've just been so busy with the tile stuff now that, We haven't even hooked it on the last couple of years because I just don't have anyone to run it, but they don't like rocks.
3: No, we we grow rocks.
2: The right size rock will go through it, but the rock that doesn't quite fit out the opening will shear. I think there's nine paddles on that one. There's nine paddles held on by five eight inch long, one inch grade eight bolts. And And it'll shear them all? It'll shear every one of them off. And if you're lucky, it doesn't throw the paddle 200 feet out into some damn swamp. You Oh, gotta go man. Fight.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bury it in the shit. That's yeah. what this one was like. And Because it was like a T of one inch by four inch solid steel welded on. That's what tore off. The bloody bolt didn't break. Oh. So it must have just gone whack onto it. And so I'm there with the plasma cutter, being it out, pressing it, and it's all distorted. So it was just like a couple of hours of welding to fill the whole thing up, build it all back out. Yeah, so –
2: Back when we used to run it harder, we had two extra paddles and then yep. one of the shop guys just continually kept rebuilding them. So as you'd break them, you'd, you'd replace the yep. two, you know, ones and give them those two and you'd straighten or add pieces or whatever. But yeah, they, uh, uh, they're, they're a lot of maintenance and we've, yeah, we've know, had I an excavator just, come rescue that one twice. One time I did I actually, I was surveying and the slough looked pretty dry and I drove into it with a t you know an rt tractor which yep. you never do and then i couldn't back out of the damn thing so i was stuck facing okay. into this blue with this thing behind me and <laughs> <I> <laughs> called up rod like ah, you better bring the 330 <laughs> yeah but uh yeah but then we've also set it up something similar like that and then run the winch on the dozer Bring in a
3: winch. Yeah. G- and you, you pull your gear through the ground a fair bit, I noticed. Like you set up cable pulls with that that case dozer and like I just okay. we just don't have that infrastructure here. Like yeah I look, I could do it and it'll be bloody mint. Like you saw me last year, I was hand shoveling in pipe and burying it in rock. Like we had to use gravel on top of our pipe. We can't just backfill it. Just sure. the pore space roots up and you don't get infiltration. So yeah, you gotta have the gravel coming in. So you got the logistics of shipping gravel and just a window to do it. Like you've got to do what you do, go in crop. But, yeah, you don't do it in a poppy crop, that's for sure.
2: <laughs> right.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's too much. But it's interesting. I, I, I really enjoy watching like your channel, Carl, the Welker Brothers and stuff like it. it's. It's interesting watching that other farming system from the other end of the world where we seem very different, but we're all so same, same. The shit we talk about, you get on the piss, we all become menaces. You know, it's, it's interesting to watch, and I really enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah, my wife thinks I'm weird because I'll come home and then I'll watch YouTube of Farmer's <laughs> Farming. Yeah, but then shit's not going wrong. My day went wrong all day. It's, you know. Right. You tell me your gear. Like the gear, your heated sheds, I'm so jealous of those. It's just economically doesn't make sense here for us. Like we don't get those extreme colds and heated floors. Like people, you don't even heat the floor of the house. That so You guys have got these, yeah, sheds, but. It's all that sort of stuff and it's it's nice. It's good to see and, and you know, I I love the internet world connects so much of ad globally. Like just it's brought a whole new facet of people together that you just wouldn't have come across otherwise. Yeah.
4: You know, it's the old crazy.
3: magazine days. Yeah, the old magazine days, you don't you might read an article about someone, but you'd never think you could talk to them or shoot them a message or talk shit
1: about farming and stuff. And so that that whole You'd never do something of- like this before. You know, like 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 get farmers together and and record a podcast.
3: No, a mate of mine wants to do it, but yeah, you you catch up and talk shit or go to conferences and do all that. But yeah, the whole YouTube blogging thing, it's interesting. Like I, I toyed with it because I've done a fair bit of video editing with the drone business. I toyed with it, watched all your stuff, and I thought it's a lot of work more work than you can do and i'm a really nerdy scientist like i'm overeducated, so knowledge is sort of thing i can disseminate but you're saying it the other day like it's got to be entertaining otherwise people are going to tune out there's enough raw science out there so i just i know my limits. right it's, right. The, it's yeah. the
0: delivery that really counts yeah. yeah
3: yeah yeah and how you make corn and soybean so interesting for a million people you know it's a testament that you guys have worked out that agrarian entertainment space beautifully and Like, you nail it well, and I enjoy it. And and that's the same Why I was like, you know, it's interesting. They're just doing it. It's the same shit we're doing here, just different. And the machinery and your work processes and your tillage equipment, and we're all the same.
1: We all live and breathe it. Yep. Yep. All the same, but a little bit different.
0: That is crazy.
1: Can you play the didgeridoo? (laughs) Nah. No?
3: I'll fart down a pipe and call it a didgeridoo, but
0: yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Nah.
1: I thought everybody from down under played the didgeridoo, like every morning. Yeah, every morning. Call the kookaburras in.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: (laughs) No. Do you have gum trees there? Oh yeah, shitloads of them. Shitloads of them. No koalas. We don't have koalas. Yeah, Tassie devils, our unique one that
1: everyone seems to know. Do the kookaburras actually sit in the old gum trees? Oh yeah, yeah. They're curious.
3: um, They're introduced to our corner. Yeah, they'll sit up there. They'll sit on the power poles, on the wires, and just laugh at you. Some days when shit's going wrong, like when you're bogged and they're up there cacking themselves, you are just like, you freaking... Fucking
1: kookaburros. Yeah, shut the fuck up, you know.
3: Go back to your gum tree. Yeah. It's a good thing we don't have rifles in the tractor, you see. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, some of the nice things about the countryside, isn't it? But I mean, I grew up in the farm and then I went to the city, worked in science, travel back and forward. It's a mix. I enjoy it. But, yeah, you got to enjoy what you do, don't you? you got to. Same. Yep.
2: I had one more question. So what the hell is the name of the move? the show? With Queen Elizabeth.
3: Oh, The, the Crown. Crown.
2: The Crown. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Know. So I was watching that yeah. last winter. That was when I realized that Queen Elizabeth also reigns over Australia. Yep. How did that happen?
3: When? What um, What does she do? What? She sent a boat down here with a few blokes on it and a heap of convicts. And yeah, set it up. So same as old Quick Dick McDick, she sits on the coins and keeps an eye on us but we theoretically we're independent with our own prime minister so we don't have a president but yeah got a prime minister the governor general is like the top dog who reports to the queen and the governor general can sack the prime minister and it's happened in australia once so it's like you know the queen and the crown doesn't like the uh, prime minister the governor general can then sack him. so like so that's how it works here so the prime minister and then we have our states with our own premiers and our own you know, like your states.
2: What did the people think of that when that happened then? Were they in favour of that happening at that time? Oh, yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, they wanted him out. They've tried to get a republic here numerous times, but people still love that clutch. Yeah, we're just monarchists down here. We love it. They've tried and tried to get a republic, but it just never seems to get up. Either someone has a wedding or a kid in the royal family and everyone's back in love with them again. Can't shake it. So, you know, it's not a bad way of governance down here. Don't tolerate it it's good for trade too so like we can we can go to Canada and trade with those guys and other people in the Commonwealth
0: yeah that would be a perk I'm sure
3: yeah it's got some perks yeah dear old Queenie hey it's a good series I enjoyed it
2: (laughs) I made it through the first few seasons and then when they started changing the characters I was like Christ I'm not that invested into this show that I'm going to re-figure out who the hell this is so I, I, I kind of gave up at that point. I
0: made it through it all. You did have to push through though when they switched the characters on you. You'd had to like yeah. really buckle down for two episodes to like reintroduce your brain, like, oh yeah, that's the queen. Like well
3: and did you do that all in one night though?
0: I did close to it, probably yeah, like my, three nights.
3: My TV it's watching pretty. consists of
2: 30 minutes every night when I go to bed, and then <laughs> I spend 15 on. minutes the next night figuring out where I fell asleep. And then (laughs) I picked up, I should just keep a damn journal. If I just wrote down every day where I started it that day, it would be easy. But I finally like, ah, screw it. I'll just start an episode six here. I'll figure it out. And pretty soon like, who are
3: these characters?
2: And then yelling at me to just go to bed. So
3: see. (laughs) Yeah, I can see why I didn't stick with you. (laughs) You You're screwed. My kids are quite pumped that I was talking to you guys today. They're all hot.
0: How old are your kids? 47.
3: Yeah, 47, no, uh, 9, 7, and 6.
0: Oh, so they're so three sure boys. close with ours then. Very close
1: yeah. to ours, yeah.
3: Yeah, I've worked out what's causing it now. I've got better heating. <laughs> 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 that' funny. It's, it's weird raising a kid in the city and then bringing him to the farm kind of on and off. Uh, yeah, it's funny yeah. what they pick up on and the shit they see. And
0: yeah, I wish I lived right. on the
3: farm, but it's not going to happen.
0: Our kids didn't yeah. live on the farm until two years ago, and it's been fun watching them get the full experience now to be here full time. Yeah,
3: building tracks and making stuff. Like My, my eldest has got a, a, on his bedroom door a plan of how to rebuild the lawnmower. So like a royal lawnmower, and I'm showing off to the kids, did a wheel stand, freaking engine bolts had come out, put the bolts straight through the bottom of the block. That was like two years ago. <laughs> so that like, pushes his mower back into the shed Going, oh shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the grand, He has man. a plan Yeah, and then my eldest is like Had this plan, like he's mortified I ruined his mower that he could drive around the yard So he's got this plan to rebuild it But yeah, dad still hasn't done it <laughs> I,
1: I like how he posted the plan on his bedroom door For everyone to see the blueprints Yeah, yeah, yeah. more like, dad You shouldn't have done that <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Look what you did <laughs> Yeah, you dick <laughs> The joys of life, eh? <laughs> joys of life. Oh, man. Yep. We should mention, too, how people can find him. We better mention the oh, Thor- oh, Thorpe Farm. Yeah. yeah, Thorpe Farm. T H O R P E Farm on Instagram. Yep. What else are you on? I do the
3: Twitters a bit and the Facebook page. Most of what I do is on Instagram. His
2: Instagram is one of the few that I pretty much daily will watch. Listen, That's when I wake I was- up in the morning, take a shit, like, see what Thorpe's yeah, got going yeah. on. Instagram.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> you do the day-to-day thing and it's so different from what we do. It's always interesting. Yeah. So yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoy your Instagram.
0: I'm going to have to check it out just to watch the dogs, I think.
2: But thanks for the chance. Like, appreciate it. Yeah, um, yeah thank you will
0: interesting we learned a lot thanks for
2: taking time out of the middle yeah, of the day absolutely yeah.
0: technically um,
1: you live yeah. in the future
0: do you have to go to work I now do. or what do you got to do what is, what's planned for you with the rest uh, of the
3: day uh yeah i'm gonna go out and fake it for a bit the two brothers i had a six-pack on the seat now like, you doing that now i'm like
0: yep
3: it's
1: the winter there right <laughs> yeah like we yeah. had the shortest day yesterday
0: right that's our total opposite of us is your winter yeah. that's just so bizarre and he's
2: on hump day already yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. Like and, already. Your, and
0: your toilets drain the opposite way
3: are well, you your sure shit goes any clockwise your shit goes clockwise I'll live stream it so you yeah. next time I'll do a guy long later <laughs> <laughs> my turn go <laughs> oh,
0: they're gonna be looking forward to that now
4: yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: oh. uh,